You are listening to An Unexpected Fight, a pediatric cancer podcast. My name is Tiffany McConathy. And I'm Katrina Withers, and we will be your host. Thank you for joining us today. We have an exciting episode for you. Unfortunately, Katie didn't get to join me for today's episode, but I would like to introduce to you our guest for today, Joel Orjeda. Joel was born in El Paso, Texas and raised in Southland Park, New Mexico. Joel attended New Mexico State University and graduated in 2001 and started working in ophthalmology surgery. Joel also attended the University of Texas at El Paso and graduated in 2014. He currently works for the Southwest Eye Institute and Vista Surgery Center. He created the nonprofit, The Gold Corner, and also started a YouTube channel under the same name. He uses this platform to speak with parents whose children have been affected by cancer. He created this channel to raise awareness where these little warriors are showcased as they are, heroes. Whether these children were already called home or currently fighting, Joel loves to honor them. Joel is also a member of the Worldwide Brotherhood, Beard of Villains. He serves as the charity head officer. Beard of Villains is a charity-based worldwide brotherhood. He is also an ordained minister, author, motivational speaker, but his passion is martial arts. Joel works as a referee and judge for a professional and amateur mixed martial arts fights and is licensed with several sanctioning bodies. This is where he got his nickname, the Bearded Ref. He welcomed his daughter Mia into the world on July 17, 2015, but his world turned upside down in September of 2017. Welcome, Joel. I'm so happy you joined me today. Tiffany, I just want to take this opportunity to say thank you so much. It's a real honor and pleasure uh, that you actually reached out to me and that you wanted me uh, to be featured. I, we spoke, I think, about a, a year ago is, is when you shared a, a Warrior Noro story with us. And yeah, once again, I just want to say thank you. It's a real honor to be here. So you actually um, inspired me to start a podcast. Um, I'm sure you didn't know that, but being on your show was one of the first things I did after Nora passed. And I loved to honor her in that way. And I love to honor other children as well. So today we want to share Mia's story. So can you tell me about when and how Mia was diagnosed? How old was she? What led you take, to take her to the hospital? Yes, of course. Well, first of all, I just wanted to say that I had no idea that I had inspired you. And, uh, and that means a lot to me. It, it, it's, uh, it's flattering. Uh, and we're all in this fight together. Like, you know, we've talked about it before. You know, we're a family. We're a part of this family that we did not want to be a part of, but we're here. So we have a mission now to be able to carry on with what our children left us to do. So, uh, yeah, I'm very flattered that that I was able to inspire you with that, Tiffany. But yes, Mia was born uh, July 19th of 2015. And back then, you know, of course, we thought everything was normal. She was able to leave after a day um, of being in the hospital. We took her home and she was just, uh, you know, a little spark plug, you know, ever since she was a little girl. Uh, both her mom and I were both martial artists, and she just grew up being very hyper and actually grew up being a little bully. Um, <laughs> so we would often we would often get reports from the daycare that she pushed the little boy, that she took this little girl's cookies, that, you know, she was like that. And, uh, you know, we could see it. She she had that fighter spirit about her, you know, and, and it's something that was that she was going to be needing a little bit later in her short life. So. Um, you know, unfortunately, her mom and I, uh, you know, we don't work out. And when Mia was was a year old, we actually separated, but we co-parented 
extremely well. We were good friends. And it was when Mia turned two years old, two months after she had turned two years old. So September of 2017, she just started getting belly pain. And uh, it was one of these things that, you know, the mom would ask me, did she have anything to eat? Did she have any fast food? Did she eat late? You know, she's, she's complaining about belly pain at night. And the same when I was with her, you know, she would be complaining about belly pain. And um, it was just one of these things that it was happening often. We took her to her pediatrician. And just as it's very common on a lot of these children that are diagnosed, the first thing that they tell them is your child is constipated. So we're going to give them some Miralax and see how that's going to work out. So they gave me a Miralax. Um, it didn't help at all. So we waited a couple of, uh, of days and we actually ended up taking her to, uh, to a hospital because we got a call from daycare that day that she was just very tired throughout the entire day. She wasn't, what worried them is that she wasn't bullying other kids. And, and as funny as that sounds, you know, that's when they, the, the, the people there at the daycare were kind of wondering what was wrong with her. She really didn't want to do anything. She didn't want to get her snacks. She didn't want to get up. So they told us, you know, she's complaining about belly pain. We picked her up. We ended up taking her to a hospital. Um, we took her and it was September 7th of 2017. Like I said, two two months after after her second birthday and they did a uh, you know they tried to tell us the same thing initially that she was constipated but we're like no we we know our child we know that there is something else more that's wrong here so we we practically you know begged them to do an uh, an x-ray and and they did and when the results came back the doctor told us you know that there's a little mass that the x-ray is showing now we did go to a regular adult hospital so he said we don't have you know the 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 equipment here for children but you know she's going to need to go to the children's hospital and this is when we found out <clears throat> that it was something serious because we thought it was already after midnight okay we're going to go home we're going to relax we're going to rest we're going to let her sleep and then tomorrow morning we'll take her in and he said no actually she has to go now and as a matter of fact there's an ambulance already waiting for you guys to take you so that is when we we knew something was wrong. And sure enough, the following day, we got to the children's hospital. They did all the testing that they needed to do. And it was on September 8th of 2017 that we got the news, that we got those words, that we were told those words that for any parent that has gone through this are the words that you know give you the PTSD, those words that keep you up at night, those words that still haunt you and give you nightmares. And that's when they told us, mom, dad, you're child has cancer. Um, there's a tumor that's growing, yes. Um, but now that we ran the additional test, the tumor is actually a little bit bigger than what the initial one um, was was uh, said to be. Uh, and that's when they told us, you know, that the tumor was very much present and that the tumor, that it was cancer. So, you know, I have been in the medical field at that time, about 15, 16 years working in an operating room. So I knew more than I needed to, but yet I did not know enough. I, I worked in ophthalmology surgery. So, you know, once you actually get your specialty, you kind of tend to be there and, and not really do anything else. So I, I didn't know enough about this, you know, and um, long story short, and I actually have a book coming up in the next couple of months and I share on my channel part of the story a little bit more in detail. And, um, you know, unfortunately at our home hospital here in El Paso, Mia was misstaged uh, misdiagnosed and she was actually started with a chemo that we, she wasn't supposed to start in 
we ended up doing two rounds here in El Paso and we ended up being transferred to Fort Worth, Texas. And it was then that, you know, a, a neuroblastoma specialist, because that's the cancer that she had been diagnosed with, told us that that cancer, that the tumor was there, which was around the belly. That's initially where they saw it on top of the liver. That's where they had seen the mass. Um, you know, neuroblastoma can, can present itself in, in various places, you know, the belly, chest, neck, the pelvic area. And what the, the mass that they had seen on Mia was in her belly. Uh, once we actually got to Fort Worth that they did the test again, they found out that she had a second tumor that was growing up her little spine and wrapping around her heart. And while they were trying to attack the tumor in the belly, it was making the tumor around the heart a little bit more aggressive. So at that point, we ended up staying in Fort Worth, Texas to continue treatment there. Um, and yeah, by, by the time we got over there, she was diagnosed with stage four high-risk neuroblastoma. Uh, and it's something that it was just, it, it was so difficult, so difficult to, to understand it. It was so difficult to just, to hear those news, right? And, and when your child is, is diagnosed and going through something like this, you as a parent, you feel helpless. And we, any parent will much rather take your child's place in, in, in what they're going through. But that is how we found out that she was diagnosed. It, it started off with a belly pain and, and we ended up here in the hospital in El Paso, Texas. And ultimately ended up uh, moving to, to Fort Worth, Texas. And Mia fought as any warrior, as any little warrior here has fought, you know, very brave. And she fought for 10 months. And in July 5th of 2018, two weeks before her third birthday, uh, Mia was called back home. Uh, I don't like to say that she lost her battle to cancer because I like to think about it that she she gained her angel wings and, and she beat cancer because she is healed now. So two weeks before her third birthday in January 5th of, of 2018, uh, Mia gave her last breath here on earth and her first one in paradise. And, and it's, it's been a struggle. It's, it's been a real struggle. And a lot of things happened while Mia was diagnosed. Um, of course, we, I'm, you know, I'm an ordained minister. I grew up being a, a youth leader and a youth pastor. So my faith was always there. But when you're faced with a situation like this, your, your faith is rocked. Everything that you have read, everything that you have learned, everything that you have preached about is now there more real and present than ever. And, and you have to have faith. You have to trust. And and that's what I did, but it was it was just extremely difficult going through all of this and, and even going through through her battle like she did, there's still a lot of things that happen. You know, she would go and pray for other children, she would go and pray for the nurses, she would pray for the doctors. So a lot of things happen throughout the entire thing. And and it's it's it these are memories that once would make me just want to crawl under a table or under a bed and now these memories you know can make me smile i i miss her so much she would be seven years old right now and you know you you're left with the questions of what would she, what would she be into now what kind of food would she like you know how, how would her little personality be would she be like mom would she be like dad would she be a martial artist like her parents you know and and, and just the 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 what ifs or the what could have been you know but 
So yeah, stage four high risk neuroblastoma is what she was, uh, what she was diagnosed with. So do you know how common that type of cancer is in children? So it's, it's, um, it's there. There's about 700 to 800 cases of neuroblastoma each year in the United States, and the the average age is usually one to two years. If if it's diagnosed anything after the two years, the chances of survival actually decrease by a lot. And I'm not quite sure the percentage, but that's how it was told to us. And Mia was actually diagnosed just after her second birthday, so her her chances of, of beating this had, had significantly come down. But there's an average of about seven to 800 cases of neuroblastoma a year. And, and like I said, and what causes it? You know, it could be several things. Some say that, you know, it's, it's, it starts as the child is developing um, or even as soon as they're, they're born. But yeah, they're, they're looking at the average age is about one or two years old. So I know this isn't um, one of the more common childhood cancers, I guess. You know, the the most common being leukemia and lymphoma along with brain tumors are the most common. So as you learned about the type of cancer Mia had, um, what did, did it surprise you about the lack of research and the lack of funding that children get? Well, that is that is one thing that obviously, you know, obviously everything that we have gone through and any parent that has gone through something like this, we were not cancer parents until we were. So we, again, cancer to me at this point, even having been in the medical field, cancer was a person that had smoked their entire life and they got cancer later on in their life. But, you know, to answer your question, yeah, as I started going into the research and it, the, a very popular theme, obviously, with all those parents and here in this childhood cancer world is more than 4% that we're talking about 4% that the government gives childhood cancer for, you know, for, for, for that in itself, $4, four pennies out of every dollar, that's what goes into that. And that is why we get to the point, a lot of parents get to the point where the doctors are, we can't do anything anymore. There isn't anything else that we can do because there's just not enough funding for research and what else can be done you know they they do have give you one or two options but there should be a lot more options after that so it really surprised me and it's one of these things that in 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 my uh youtube channel i speak a lot about and i i can i mean i i go down i go down a rabbit hole real quick because it's ridiculous how little we're getting you know for for childhood cancer only 4% is what we're getting. So once I started looking into all of that, it, it just, it really blew my mind, Tiffany. It really did. I'm, they're saying it's rare. It's it's not rare. And, and they won't know unless they have lived, you know, in a cancer world like we did, you know, at one point. But right. yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's just, it's sickening. It's something that's, I, that is probably the best word that I can describe it. It's just sickening how, how little funding we our children are getting for for cancer. So um, I know that you have started a nonprofit organization in Mia's honor. Um, we mentioned a little bit about that in your bio, the Gold Corner. Tell me what when how did you decide that that's what you wanted to start? How did you pick the name, and what do you all do within your organization? Sure. Yes. Uh, thank you for asking that. So. 
Um, the, the reason I started the Gold Corner is because when we were going through everything, you know, I was looking for uh, on YouTube, I was looking at different, you know, outlets, uh, I'm sorry, outlets to see uh, to anything that would talk about cancer, about the reality of cancer, because as a lot of us know, we see that big name hospital, that big name famous hospital, that the commercial, right? And I'm going to be mm -hmm. honest, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I was one of these people that would look at the commercial and I just couldn't and I had to turn the channel. I had to turn the TV off or switch the channel to something else because it was just difficult to watch. You know, I never imagined that I would ever be in that situation like I was, but that was the only thing that I knew about cancer. And every time you would look up childhood cancer, that always seemed to pop up. And they, of course, you know, they, they have to do a certain way because it's a commercial, but they don't really show the reality and i've dug deep into a lot of uh investigating when it comes to this hospital and some other big hospitals to where i have even gone to threats because i've spoken about it so i got to be careful what i say but yeah it's right. it's uh it's it's one of these things that i i knew i needed to do something and the reason why i started is because i before mia gave her last breath i promised her two things i said baby Number one, I promise you that I'm always going to do everything I can in my power to help out as many children and parents that are going through or about to go through what we did. Number two, the second thing I promised her was I'm always going to share your story. So, you know, for us parents that already have an angel in heaven, the, the most precious thing someone can do is ask us about them. The most precious thing that we can do is talk about them. So... I decided when I created the channel, I said, I'm just going to create the channel. I'm going to share my story. And then because I, I wanted to always be there in case somebody 10 years down the road said, hey, talk to me about your daughter. And if I don't have a chance, I could just send them the link. So that is why I wanted to do that. And the other thing is because I wanted, and, and as if you see my channel, there's a lot of parents that speak about the reality of what childhood cancer is, how horrible it is. And people do not see that. People do not know that. And, you know, it's not their fault, you know, they, they, that they don't know about childhood cancer. But I, they see bald-headed little kids on TV smiling, walking down a hallway, but they do not see the reality of what goes behind closed doors, of all those hours that our children are in constant pain, even though they're connected to continuous morphine and everything that they go through. I mean they don't see that. So I just wanted to make this channel so people could be aware of everything that goes behind a child being diagnosed, not just the pretty parts that people want to show you, but just the reality. And some parents have really gone into detail of, of everything that their child went through. And I've had a lot of people reach out to me, a lot of people reach out to me and say, Joel, Thank you so much because we did not know that this was what it was. We did not know what you guys went through. We did not know all of this. So being able to educate people or just making them aware of what it is that we have gone through or going through and what these children that are currently fighting for their lives, literally what they're going through. So that is why I wanted to create the channel. And like I, like I mentioned, there's nothing more beautiful than a parent to be able to share the, their child's story. So I, you know, I have a lot of people that have reached out to me to, to share their story. And it's just wonderful for them 
because they have a platform where these parents can come and speak about their warriors. They have this platform that, that was created to, to be able to always have that there and say, this is my child's story. This is what they went through. So don't forget my child's name. My child existed. My child lived. I carried my child. And this is their story. So that was the whole reason behind the Gold Corner. And when I first started, like I said, I just, I shared my story. I asked one or two other parents that I, that I knew that I had been close to, to share their story. And after that, I mean, it just started going, you know, I, I started having a lot of parents reach out to me. And as we currently sit right now, we are in, uh, in season five. We just started season five of uh of the gold corner so we have over 50 videos 50 people sharing their stories and and you know god help me i'm going to continue to do that and, and be a platform for for other parents the reason behind the name the gold corner obviously the color gold is the color of the childhood cancer awareness ribbon when i was looking at names of what to name the channel what to name the nonprofit organization um, and like you mentioned earlier, I, I am a mixed martial arts referee. And for those people that know about fighting or if you don't know about fighting, whenever there's a fight, whether it's boxing or MMA, when the fighters are introduced, it's always a red corner and a blue corner. So you'll hear the announcer say fighting out of the blue corner, fighting out of the red corner. So when Mia was diagnosed and going through her battle, I had an organization that said, hey, can we dedicate a night to Mia? And we said, yeah, that's fine. So they decided to turn one of those corners into the gold corner because of childhood cancer awareness. So we had fighting out of the blue corner and we had fighting out of the gold corner. So when I decided to create this, I said, you know what, that, that just seems to be the perfect name because these children, they're fighting. They're fighting out of this corner. And if you ever notice a fighter, you're going to see them with an entourage. You're going to see with the people behind them. Those are their family. Those are their coaches. Those are the people that have been with them through day one of fight camp. So that's just fitting because we are with these children. We are in their corner. We're fighting with them because this is a fight. It's literally a fight. And I remember when Mia would go into radiation or chemo or anything, I would look at her and I would get her ready like a coach gets a fighter ready. All right, baby, you ready? Let's do this. Let's do this, daddy. And, and that is how I came about the, the name, The Gold Corner. And with the galas that we've done, we've had professional fighters, retired fighters be the keynote speakers. In my YouTube channel, the guy that does the intro to my stories is Bruce Buffer, who is the announcer for the, for the UFC. So this whole Gold Corner, the, from the nonprofit organization to the YouTube channel, it's all about fighting. It's all about being in their corner. It's all about you're not alone. We're here with you. We're, we, we have your back. We're in your corner and we're fighting alongside with you. Um, and before I created the nonprofit, before we, we officially created the 501c3, I, out, of, out of my money, I was doing is I was buying these children what I call the warrior packs. It would be a backpack and it would have, you know, toys and coloring books, crayons and all of that. But it would also have a little gown and boxing gloves. And I would do that because I wanted them to fully feel like a fighter that they are, the warriors that they are. So whenever they would go into any treatment or anything that they needed done, they would gown up and put on their gloves like they were going into the fight. And I started doing that with my own money, you know, from working and doing all that. I ended up going back to the Ronald McDonald house in Fort Worth where we lived for, you know, almost all the 10 months that Mia was fighting. 
And I was doing all that until somebody said, hey, why don't you start a nonprofit? You're able to get, you'll be able to get some grants. You'll be able to get donations. And we created the Gold Corner, the nonprofit organizations. And, and the one thing that we do with our organization, and I know a lot of them, they go into research and all that. Our organization does not do anything for research, does not do anything with that. What we want to focus on is for the families to be together as much as possible, for them to be able to spend time together because let's be realistic, when they are diagnosed, time is very, very special. And time is one of these things that you're never gonna get back. So what we try and do is we try and have the parents, you know, not not focus so much on, on working or paying bills and if possible, and you know, if the funds are there, we, we pay for you know a parent to take a couple of weeks, even up to a couple of months off of work, so uh, you know, so they can spend time with their child when they're when they're diagnosed. So, initially, yeah, I mean, we we eventually want to get into research and to doing all of that, be able to donate into that. But right now, our main focus is to be able to help families because there was a lot of great nonprofit organizations that when we were fighting would come up to us and say, hey, you know, here's here's a, a check, here's a grant for $250 or what bills do you guys have back home? Give them to us. We'll go ahead and pay for them. And I, I just thought that that was fantastic, that that was so great. So uh, that is what we focus with our with our nonprofit organization right now. I love that. Um, you know, we we're helped by many nonprofits throughout our treatment journey as well. And um, our nonprofit also helps with um, family assistance. So if any of you are out there listening, um, uh, the, our nonprofit Princess Nora's Warrior Foundation and also Joel's nonprofit, The Gold Corner, um, both offer family assistance. So you can reach out to us. I will put um, our information in the show notes if you need any financial help. Um, so, you know, we talked a little bit about helping them to go through these cancer treatments. And can you tell me what your journey looked like with hospitalizations, travel, like how that put a burden on your family? I just want, you know, as you were talking about earlier at one of the other more well-known hospitals, people don't realize that the majority of funding for pediatric cancer does not come from the NIH or the NCI. It comes from private foundations like yours and mine. So I just want to kind of people to understand why it's so important for us to help support these families through these journeys. It's, it's definitely very important. And again, that's, as I was mentioning a little bit earlier, uh, yeah, I mean, these, these, when, when there's donations that go into these big, big name organizations or hospital, you're paying the CEO salary, you're paying to build a new parking lot, you're paying to do a lot of other things, when very little of it actually goes back to the families and goes back to being able to help. Um, you know, like I said, we left El Paso, Texas to Fort Worth, Texas, which is, you know, maybe about nine, 10 hours from, from El Paso. Uh, but we were blessed that we were able to stay at the Ronald McDonald House. But of course, once your child's diagnosed, that's it. Your whole world stops. You're not able to work. You can work if you want to, but who's going to want to work as your child is actually going through things? And the last thing you want to worry about is how am I going to pay these bills? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? So the journey was rough in having to leave El Paso to a city that 
you don't know anyone. I mean, you don't have any family there. You might have a friend or two or acquaintances, but it's still difficult. It's having to leave your comfort zone. This whole thing is breaking from your comfort zone and doing something that you don't want to, to, to do or you don't want to witness what your child is going through, but you're put in that situation. So yes, having, having to leave our hometown to go to a different city for treatment it was it, it was difficult. It was extremely difficult because you know family is very important. You know, being able to be around your family and having your family around is 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 a key part. And a lot of times in the healing process as well, because your child wants to see her aunts and uncles and and her cousins. You know, to that that brings her spirit up. So, the journey, yeah, the journey was a little difficult to be to be over there, but we knew that we were at the right place, and we knew that whatever the outcome was it was not going to be forever we were there for one reason one reason only and that was our daughter and we did everything that we could to be able to 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 give her the best possible uh outcome with her diagnosis itself so yeah the the journey itself is is difficult and um you know her mom and i had separated before but i i've I've known a lot of couples that because of this, they've, they've ended up, you know, going through a divorce. Unfortunately, they've gone through separation. And, you know, if, if you have other children, it affects them as well. It affects the entire family, not just the child that's going through it. Yes, of course, they are the main part, but it just affects the, the entire family. You know, the, the hospitalizations, you know, you're, you're there and, you know, you were there hours and hours and a lot of the times we don't sleep we can't sleep because we've got to make sure that our child's you know oxygen levels are, are are good that her blood pressure is good so that whole situation there it's 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 a nightmare and and i tell people i i started a nightmare when i heard that mia was diagnosed and i'm still living in that nightmare the only thing is i've been able to adapt now to what life is now so the family burden, yes, it, it affects the entire family, you know, especially if you have a very close family. Yes, it, it's going to affect them in a tremendous way. Um, and it, like I mentioned, I was we were blessed that we were able to be at the Ronald McDonald House. But there's there's a lot of parents that I've spoken to that either the Ronald McDonald House was was packed, that they didn't have anywhere. So they had to stay at a hotel. They had to stay at even at the hospital. So it's just it's a very difficult situation tiffany it's in and you know it's it's a nightmare that's that's all I, how i can describe it and if it hadn't been for for my faith in in, in god and, and trusting in him uh, i would not be here literally i would not be here right now i would have i would have wanted to be where my daughter is right now i can totally relate to that and, you know, you brought up something that's another problem in pediatric cancer, right? So the Ronald McDonald house is being full and people continue to say that pediatric cancer is rare and, you know, this doesn't happen that often. But one, 47 kids every single day in the United States get diagnosed with cancer. And then these children are going through these horrific treatments that are decades and decades old and we are getting nothing new to use on them. We're expected to use archaic treatments that cause them to have all these horrible side effects. My husband and I have talked so many times about 
whenever they gave us the information sheets on Nora's chemotherapy, I was called my husband and was listed off these side effects. I knew what they were, but he wasn't familiar with any of these things. So I'm telling him and he said, why are you telling me this? Do we have a choice? And I said, no. And he said, well, I guess it doesn't matter then, does it? And that like hit me so hard to think about you either accept these horrific risks for all these complications or they die. And so us doing this podcast, you doing your gold corner and your galas and bringing awareness and helping these families to get through these hard times, all of these things together are what's going to make a difference in the world of pediatric cancer someday. I firmly believe that. You know, I also looked up another statistic about how the what you mentioned about the federal funding being so low. Well, the majority of cancer research funding comes from private nonprofits like yours and mine. That is absolutely insane to me. We have all these children who are dying and it seems like nobody cares. And why is that? I just, I can't wrap my head around it, but, and then these big name hospitals that everybody goes to, most people don't realize that you have to be accepted to go to these hospitals and everybody that goes to this hospital is on a clinical trial, which most kids are. However, you have to be on a clinical trial and you have to be accepted to go there. You can't just go there. You can't say, oh, I'm going to go to this hospital. It just doesn't work like that. I just wish there was so much more general knowledge about pediatric cancer. So I don't know really why I'm rambling on about that. but <laughs> No, no. It's, I mean, and, and yeah, I mean, I can ramble on for hours too. And, and so we were turned down by probably the most famous big name hospital because Mia had already had one uh, round of chemo and because she had already been touched, they did not take her. So they literally turned us down. They, they did. They said, no, we, we cannot see her. So yeah. I mean, you, you guys, people just yeah. don't realize that. And they think, Oh, well, I'm helping, you know, this organization, or that organization, my, wish is for everybody to really look into where you donate and if that's what you want to donate to and that's what your heart feels led to donate to by all means do that but know where your money's going when you donate it i feel like a lot of these organizations are not transparent about how they spend their money mm-hmm. my organization is 100 percent volunteer none of us get paid uh, it sounds like yours is the same way and mm-hmm. all of our money is going back into research and helping families and raising awareness because not only are we spending money doing these things through these nonprofits, we're also spending our time, right? We're spending hours and hours every week trying to make sure that people get accurate information and not something that they see on a commercial on TV. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you have that, that type of a pool yeah, people are only going to be able to see that what they want you to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. A lot of these, and, and I tell people the same thing because they're like, oh yeah, this is for childhood cancer. I'm like, you know what? Again, just just do your research. Do your research and, and see how much of that money is actually going back to the parents. See what they're doing. See how many kids they're turning away. And like you said, and I tell them this all the time, if you still, after you've done your research, if you still want to donate to them, by all means, go ahead. But please, please, please just 
make sure you know where your money's going and what is being done with it because yeah i mean it's 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 unfortunate right and and it's just horrible the the reality of this whole thing it makes me so crazy <laughs> i mean you know it's like all you can do is really like kind of laugh about it because of how how really wild it is to hear the statistics for pediatric cancers versus adult cancers. You know, for example, one of the biggest um, cancer nonprofits in the United States gives 1% of their funding to pediatrics. Wow. And I have supported this organization for so many years in the adult world. And whenever Nora was diagnosed with cancer and I heard that I was appalled that I had been supporting the organization that donated so little to children. And I hear so many times, well, not that many children get diagnosed with cancer. <laughs> well, it's not that many until it's yours. Exactly. It, then you actually know how many it is, you know, and, and it's, yeah. Because rare. then yours is the only one that matters. And Correct. people... <laughs> In the pharma world, like they say, well, there's not enough of a population base, right? We can't get thousands of children to test for these tumor types because there's not thousands available. We'll make the numbers smaller, make these numbers more reasonable for how many kids are diagnosed a year because it's still not fair that they don't get to be in clinical trials because you don't have a thousand children. Well, do it with a hundred, you know, maybe we should change the policy in the trials to match more children so we can get more funding because those are all the excuses I hear about why they don't fund pediatric cancer research. And it's just honestly just excuses. I mean, it's ridiculous, honestly. And like you said, it's not until it's your child and then you, then you want to do something about it, you know? Like you, it's like you're not a cancer parent until you are. And mm -hmm. you're, then your life is forever changed into the before and after. You remember that second that you were told your child has cancer. Mm -hmm. It's like this bad dream that never goes away. But I do love your heart and I love that you have honored so many children with your platform. And I'm just so thankful you took the time today to talk with me and share Mia's story. I wish I would have gotten to meet Mia. She sounds like my kind of girl. <laughs> she she really, yeah, she she was really a spark like like I'm telling you. She's a little bully. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, one last thing. If you could say one thing to educate the public, what would that be? Well, there's there could be several things, but one thing that 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 we just touched touched upon right now and I can say it again is it's not rare. It's not rare childhood cancer the way they make it seem, the way the government makes it seem. No, it's not rare. And again, I I we were not and I'll mention it again, you touched on it right now, we were not cancer parents until we were told. So, you know, you could say, yeah, well, you know, it, it didn't affect my child. It hasn't affected my children. You know, my, my, my children were fine. Well, September 5th of 2017, Mia was fine. And September 7th, she was diagnosed. So it's not rare. Um, and it's, 
it's one thing that unfortunately it's it's going to continue to happen and one thing that you said and, and i really like and i really believe wholeheartedly in my heart what you said right now that this generation of cancer parents and cancer advocates are going to make a difference one way or another we're going to make noise we're making noise now but this generation of advocates is really going to do something and i believe it in my heart god put it in my heart and i know it's going to happen so one thing that i can that i can tell parents is that it's not rare that always be aware that it can happen to anyone no one's exempt from from this no child is so just be aware and if you know somebody if you know a parent that has gone through them just pray for them just you know reach out to them let them know that you are there for them don't one of the things that that really would upset me initially and now i just kind of blow it off now is don't use your cliches when a parent is going through something don't use your god needed her more than you she's in a better place you know god gives his biggest battles to the toughest soldiers just don't if you know a parent that is going through something like that just a hug just a, i'm here for you just an i love you just a, can i get you lunch anything like that would really be helpful and the other thing that i want to let people know is that we're all fighting a battle and and one of the things that i always mention on my channel is we're all broken in in a certain way it might not be that you lost a child it might not be anything like that but we're all broken and the very a thing that's very important and one thing that i look tell people is that we're broken but we're broken together and being broken together helps us to be able to be there for each other to be able to to try and understand and you might not comprehend what somebody else is going through but just know that you are broken together and that god is still good that no matter what has happened and i know a lot of people have different opinions when it comes to this but i can tell you that i there were so many times that that i just felt that i didn't want to be here anymore and if it wasn't for for god first of all and for my passion to be able to share me a story and have a platform for other children and I've said it in numerous occasions and 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 different times and when I go speak and I mean it from the bottom of my heart even if it costs me my life even if it costs me my life I'm going to make a difference for childhood cancer I just I, I, that's my passion now that is a promise that I made to my daughter and that's a promise that I'm making to all these kids all these children that are currently battling because we're we're in the, we're in here together and and we're a family we're we're part of this family that we do not want to be a part of but but we're here yeah i echo every single thing that you said just now um i agree with all of it i um i'm also a firm believer that um god carried me through many of the days where i couldn't stand on my own and i'm so thankful for that one of my friends um, last week, we were talking about grief and our grief journey. And she made a comment that I don't remember exactly how she 
put it, but she said that she didn't like to say that she lost her child, which I've said many times that, you know, we've lost Nora, you know, she mm-hmm. went to heaven and she said, we didn't lose them. We know exactly where they are. And I thought, what a beautiful sentiment that is, even though it's, you know, whenever we say we lost them, obviously we're not talking about we we physically lost something, but. I just love that um, thought of we didn't actually lose them, that we do know where they are and someday we will get to see them again. Exactly. And and yeah, I mean, perfectly said. And yeah, it, it's just one of these things, like you said, you mentioned, it's, it's quick to say, yeah, I lost my child, you know, but, and one thing that also is that, that when I share my story is when Mia was going through her journey, I prayed for a miracle and I prayed for healing and God answered those prayers. God answered them. The miracles yes. happened. The healing happened. It didn't happen the way that I wanted it to, but it happened because my child is healed. Nora is healed. They are in a perfect place. And another thing, and, and, and I'm sorry, I'm just going to take a couple of seconds here. Yeah, so one of the things that, you know, that, that grief is going to be different for everybody. You're not going to grieve the same as somebody else. So it's okay to allow yourself to have all these feelings. It's okay to be mad, to be happy, to be sad, to cry. And a lot of these things can happen all within a matter of minutes. But what you need to know is that it's okay to be okay. It's okay to be able to have these feelings and express these feelings. And when people tell me, well, you know, your, your, your child wouldn't want to see you this way. and You're, you're going to make your child sad because you keep crying. One thing is our children are healed and they're in a perfect place and as as bad as it sounds they're really not going to care if we're sad down here if we're sad we're going to be hurting ourselves if we're mad we're doing this to ourselves yes they would want for us to be happy but they're waiting for us in a happy place so we got to do everything that we can and it's okay i'm grieving it's been five years for me and i just now i'm i'm just now breaking out of my shell of me being okay with doing things for myself with with my self-care but yeah grief is going to be different for everybody no one should tell you how to grieve and if you have a child that has already gone back home and is in heaven just know that we will see them again and the next time that we see them it's it's going to be forever i love that i love that Well, thank you so much, Joel, for being with us today. And would you like to tell everybody how to find you on social media or how to find your YouTube channel? Yes, of course. So um, on our social, on on our website is thegoldcorner.org. Just like that, thegoldcorner.org. If you go to uh, YouTube, just type in The Gold Corner. You're going to see our channel pop up. If you want to reach out to me personally, you can look me up as Joel Ojeda. And on Instagram, I'm under the bearded ref, <laughs> the bearded ref. That is what how people know me in the referee world. And I'm the type of person I know a lot of nonprofit organizations, when they want to speak to somebody, you have to go through different people. And sometimes you don't even want to talk to them. No, I am open to anybody that wants to talk. I've had people call me so I can give them advice. I've called people for advice. People just want to for me to hear them out, we can cry together, we can share jokes together, whatever it is, you can reach out to me. If you want my email, it's joel at thegoldcorner.org and you can reach out to me and I will personally do everything I can to be able to help out as much as possible, but that's how you can get a hold of us. 
Perfect. Thank you so much, Joel. I've really enjoyed talking with you today. Thank you very much once again, Stephanie, for allowing me to be a part of this. And let's do this. Let's work together. Yes, let's do it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We really hope you enjoyed the show. We have included any resources from today's episode in the show notes. You can find more information at noraswarriors.com or visit our Facebook page, Princess Nora's Warrior Foundation. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, or any other social media platform. Join us next week to help us win an unexpected fight.